0: everyone, congratulations, you made it here today. And whether you're watching this online or in person, you've decided to be here at Christ Community Church and connect with us, and we couldn't be more excited about that.
1: Life is filled with mountains and valleys. Regardless of what season you're in, we want you to know that you have a place right here at CCC, and we are so glad that you could join us today.
0: You can find hope through the good news of Jesus Christ. He came to bring hope to a world filled with hopelessness, and we get to share that hope in community.
1: Everyone has the opportunity to find community here at CCC, and a good starting point for that is by filling out one of our connection cards. You can stop by our welcome desk in the lobby to fill one out, Or if you're joining us online, you can click Connect on your screen. And we'd love to get to know you and find out how we can serve you. We want to give you this opportunity to join us in worship through giving. If you're watching online, you can do this by texting CCC Rochester to 77977 or simply clicking the Give link on your screen. If you're here with us in person, you can place your offering in the boxes at the back of the auditorium as you leave.
0: And every dollar you give goes to some aspect of life transformation through the power of the gospel. You can be assured that your giving is an investment in our mission to restore our broken world.
1: Thank you for your continued support and for sharing our passion to share the gospel message with the world around us.
0: It's such a blessing to be able to come before the Lord in prayer. And if you have any prayer requests, please write them on the back of the connection card and leave them at the welcome desk.
1: If you're watching online, click request prayer and one of our hosts will be available to pray with you right then and there.
0: Hey, Trisha, can you believe the annual meeting is only one week away? It's crazy. January has flown by. Where has the time gone? Right. Yeah.
1: Last week, Daryl announced that our annual meeting will be on Sunday, January 31st at 1145 a.m. right after our 1030 a.m. service right here in the auditorium and on Zoom.
0: And we'll be reflecting on a year that we had and approving our 2021 elders and elder nominating committee. You will need to sign up for this if you're planning on coming in person. So be on the lookout for that this week. And if you want to be able to vote, you need to be here in person. Feel free to visit the annual meeting page on our website at cccrochester.org to learn more. Well, God has gifted you with talents to be used to help further his mission. With that in mind, there are many ways you can use
1: your gifts to serve right here at CCC.
0: Yeah, maybe you're really good at working with children and serving on our Weekend Kids City team could be a perfect fit.
1: Or perhaps you enjoy being hospitable and meeting new people. Our guest services team would love to have you.
0: Or maybe you have a techie side and enjoy working with cameras. Maybe you'd wanna get involved with our video production team.
1: Regardless of where you fall, you have a specific fit where God wants to use you. If you're interested in volunteering, please contact the church office and we'd love to come alongside you and help you find a team to serve on. Lastly, we wanted to give a huge shout out to our student band leading us in worship today.
0: And now as we prepare for worship, know that you are loved by God and welcomed here. God has brought you here today for a purpose. So be of open mind and heart to hear what God wants to teach you today. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's not just another weekend. It's another chance, another opportunity to join with us in worshiping our creator. And that starts right now.
2: If you 'd stand, join worship) uh-huh.
3: Thank you, worship, our youth worship team. Appreciate that. I um, want to welcome you uh, who've braved the snow and the weather to join us uh, t- tonight for the service. Really glad to see you in our what we would call our um, in-person uh, weekend family. But can we give a shout out to those who are part of our online church family who are joining us online? It's great. I want to tell you, if I've not met you, my name is Greg, and one of the pastors here. And um, <laughs> I just got to tell you, uh, when Daryl asked me to speak today, um, we were talking about this last week, I wasn't really excited about it. And the reason is, is because it's not fun to be the guy who has to follow the guy who for three weeks in a row knocks the ball out of the park. That's just a lot of pressure. It's a hard act to follow. And I'm telling Daryl this. And Daryl says, well, Greg, and Daryl's here. Greg, you just have to understand my goal when I get the preach is to hit a double. Isn't that humble and precious? I mean, hey, <laughs> you know what my goal is? Not to get beamed. That's my goal. We're in a series called Pivot. Pivot is a basketball term. And what happens in a pivot is simply this. You're running through your motion of the offense. And while you're doing that, things are kind of blurry in a way you, you don't have a, a, the awareness of what's happening all over the court. You're running your offense, and then you turn and somebody passes you the ball. And Once you turn and you get that ball, you plant one foot, because if you don't, you're going to travel, but you plant foot one foot, and then all of a sudden you have this ability to square up, usually to your opponent and the basket. But once you square up, all the things that are periphery are now right before you. And there was premise in this series is simply this. We just left 2020 and God has some things for us in 2021. But in 2020, we had these things kind of floating around. And it was an issue of for some of us of survival. But now we're going into this new year and we got the ball and we can square up and face some of the things that we really need to deal with and to, be here, to hear what God has to say to us and what he has for us in this, this, this coming year. Now... I came across an article uh, recently entitled Healing the Relationships Broken by 2020. I want you to hear what this person says. This is the prediction I thought about making months ago, but I couldn't quite figure out how to articulate it. But now I'm ready to predict that many people are going to regret how they talked about and treated others over the last year or so. Christians especially will regret how this election has ended deep and important alliances, and cost them friendships. We are going to regret things that we posted and tweeted. We're going to regret things and regret ways in which we questioned motives and character. We're going to regret placing so much weight on a set of political outcomes that matter, but not nearly as much as it felt like it did at the time. And it's not just the election. Disagreements over mass mandates, lockdown orders and other aspects of pandemic frustration have broken up families, churches and friendships. And I predict there will be lots of self-reckoning in the days to come and we're going to wonder was it worth it. And here's the issue. One of the things that we're going to need to address to square up and face not just individually but corporately is this in this new year is this issue of forgiveness. So let's pray. Father, we're, we're coming here and we're worshiping you, but we're also needing to hear from you and from your word. We need encouragement. We need hope. And Father, sometimes we need to be convicted and challenged. And we have things that we brought into this, this room that are in our minds and maybe could cause us to be distracted, not focused into what you have to say. So my prayers, fathers, we will put those in the back burner and hear your word and that you will speak to us, for we definitely need and want to hear from you. And We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. A man once said, God has all the power to do anything he wants. Nothing is impossible for him. But there is something that God won't do. Something God won't do unless you also do it. And what is this one thing? and this is a hard line, God will not forgive if you don't forgive. God will not forgive if you don't forgive. Now, we're going to jump right into the text. We're reading from Matthew chapter 18, starting with the 21st verse, and this is what we read. Peter approached Jesus and said, how many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? And then he says, seven times? And it's my guess. The Peter's kind of trying to establish himself as, as this really kind of uh, top-notch disciple Christ follower, that he spiritually got it all together. He wants them to know, his other disciple friends, that his personal forbearance and patience when he's offended is high. And so he says, he says I'm, here's the bar. Okay, he's talking to Jesus, but he's also looking at uh, his friends. And he's saying, This is it. Uh, I'm willing, and, and it's not going to be easy, but I'm willing to. And he's and, and Wait and wait. And then he says, I'm going to forgive my brother seven times. And I think he turns to his disciples' friends and looks at them like they would be in awe and wonder. And I think he looks at Jesus expecting uh, affirmation and approval. But that doesn't happen. What happens is this, verse 22, Jesus answered not seven times, Peter, but 70 times, seven times. Now, he's not very good at math. Uh, he's probably like me, and he's counting his fingers. I dropped the four and seven, and he can kind not of figure it out. And then finally, he says, that's a lot. That That's a lot. What Jesus is doing is he's, given what is called a Hebraism. And basically, that's a Hebrew Hebrew idiom, uh, an expression. One author said, this is what Jesus was essentially saying. What he really meant is this, that forgiveness goes on and on and on and on. If Jesus was to take a, a line from Toy Story, in the words of Buzz Lightyear, he would simply say it this way, to infinity and beyond. And that's what he's trying to state. Jesus is saying, When it comes to forgiveness, there are no limits. There is no bar. It goes on and on. There's a book uh, that I picked up years ago uh, from my mother-in-law's library. And it was in 1985 that opened up that book. It's written by Lloyd John Ogilvie. It's called The Autobiography of God. And his premise in this book is kind of cool. Because what he does is it's all about the parables. And he says what Jesus does in the parables And I've shared this here before. What Jesus does in the parables is this. He kind of opens the door just a bit that we get a peekaboo of God. We get to see the heart of God. In fact, one guy called it this, terra incognita, which basically is to see the very heart of God. And that's what Jesus does in these parables. That's the whole premise of the book. But listen to what he says on this issue of forgiveness and on what Jesus just stated. The shocking, startling truth is that we are to be to others what God has been to us. And if we refuse, we lose. The continuing experience of God's love and forgiveness is dependent upon our love and forgiveness that we extend to others. Now, that's a hard line. And I think it's going to be hard as we look at it even a little bit closer But Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples didn't miss the magnitude of what he's saying. So he goes right into a story, to a parable that we know as the parable of the the merciful, unmerciful servant. And there are three, in this parable, there are three characters. There's the king, this guy, and that man. The king, this guy, and that man. And what happens is the king decides he needs to go out and basically settle his accounts with those who owe him money. And one of the guys who comes into his chamber uh, owes the king 10,000 talents. Now you understand a talent was worth about $1,000, meaning that this guy roughly owed the king $10 million. It's a huge debt. Okay. And this guy doesn't have it. He just doesn't have it. And so what happens is. He's defaulted on a debt, and there is a law called the, the, the law of the land, and what happens is, is this. If you fault, default on a debt, then the punishment is you, your wife, and your children will be sold into slavery, and that will be your lot for life. In this case, it's going to be his lot in life because he's never going to be able to make that money. And when the man hears that, this, man hear, this guy hears that, he falls to his knees, he weeps, he, he begs for mercy. He asks for a second chance and some time to repay the debt. And so how does the king respond? It's amazing. The king is moved with compassion. Not only does he spare this guy and not send him into slavery, but get this, the king forgives the entire debt. Now, if you've been around the church for a long time or for a while, you know that Jesus is talking about the king and you know that the king is God. And we hear that story and we say, oh, that's so sweet. That's such a good story. And as you're going to see, it's also our story, all right? Think about this guy. Think about this guy. What must it have meant to him not only to have his family spared and get to keep them, but to be forgiven this huge debt. His debt has been erased and now he's a free man. A free man. It must have absolutely changed his life. I was thinking about that this week. And I, on the heels of Christmas, it reminded me of something all of you know, a book written by Charles Dickens called A, a, a Christmas um, Carol. Remember that? And I, I'm kind of a freak about that movie. And there are all kinds of renditions and even newer uh, uh, versions of that story. Um, one of my favorite. One of my favorite is an English, a Britain musical where the last song this guy's saying, oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. What a wonderful gift to me. And he's all excited because his death's been forgiven. And you know the storyline. Ebenezer Scrooge is, is a grouchy, elderly, miser, and selfish. And one day he's visited by the ghost of his former business partner, um, Jacob Marley. And Marley tells him, you're going to have three visitors to, in this night. You're going to have the, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of pre, the pre, Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And you know the story. After those visits, Scrooge wakes up, and he's a changed man. In fact, the line always is that he embodied all the best of Christmas. And so if you think about this this guy who just had his debt forgiven and his family spared, I'm thinking that he would experience that kind of change. And that when opportunity presented itself, he would pay it forward just because he was so grateful for the mercy that he had been given. Not so much. So we have the the king, this guy, and then this guy runs into that man because that this guy has people who owe him money. And the guy who runs into that man owes him some money. That man owes him one denarii, which is about a day laborers wage, roughly $20. Okay. And. Life for that man has been difficult. He can't find work, can't feed his family, he's broke, he's got nothing, not even spare change. So he got the picture. This guy who's been forgiven a huge debt of 10 million is looking at that man who owes him 20 bucks, all right? What would his response be? Because that guy doesn't have it. This guy is the recipient of an act of unbelievable compassion by the king. How's he going to respond to this guy who owes him two 10 spots? He came unglued. In fact, the story says that he grabbed that man by the neck and starts beating him, which was allowed when you failed to fulfill and come through on a debt. In fact, he He starts to beat on him and threaten him. And that man falls to his knees, weeps, begs for mercy, and a second chance is some time to pay back the debt. Do those words sound familiar? If you read in scripture, you can see they're the exact same words from the king to this man and from this man, uh, from from the this man to the king and from that man to this man, the same words. And Jesus does that (laughs) um, on purpose. Does that sound familiar? Yes. We just saw that scene. But this man takes that man by the throat, drags him to court, has him thrown into prison until he can pay off the debt. And if you're reading that story and you've read all the way, what the heck? Who does that? Somebody rats this guy out to the king. This king is not pleased and he has this guy dragged to the very place that he was shown so much mercy now I want to stop there before I tell you the rest of the story because I think one of the things we do I I most of you know if you've been around here I like to preach on um Luke 15 and the prodigal son That's one of my favorite one time a pastor told me you need to preach on other things and I said no that's your job I'm just filling in and I'm going to preach I'm going to preach on the prodigal son. I always go there, okay? And we know the story. The son disgraces his father, takes half the estate, basically flips his dad, the bird, walks away, goes to a foreign country, throws all that money uh, to the wind, ends up, there's a famine, he ends up being hungry, he's feeding the pigs, he thinks about eating what the pigs eat. Then he realizes, maybe if I go home and I ask my dad for a job, I'll be a servant to my father, I'll get three square meals a day and a roof over my head, because that's the only hope I've got to surviving this thing. And the scripture says that when the father saw his son a long way off, you remember that's a great line, He runs to his boy and he grabs him and he pulls him in. The son tries to apologize. He cuts him off. And he says, put a a robe on his back and and sandals on his feet and a ring on his finger. We're going to celebrate. And we hear that story. And we love hearing that story of God's grace. What I'm about to read you is not that. And yet this is the king. And Jesus is telling us this is God and his response. And this is one of those not warm, fuzzy lines. This is hard for us to wrap our arms around. Listen to what he says, Matthew 18, 32. The king said to him, this guy, you scoundrel. Is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me. I forgave you the massive debt you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed you? And then the next verse says this. In fury of anger, in a fury of anger, the king turned this guy over to the prison guards to be tortured until all his debt was paid. We don't like to see God in that light. I want that warm hug from dad. And this is not that. And unless Unless we miss it, listen to what Jesus says. This is the exclamation mark of the storyline he wants us to catch. This king did the same as my heavenly father will do to you. That's a hard line. You must forgive your brother or sister with all your heart or my heavenly father will not forgive you. That's an ouch. One man wrote these words. The word heart here is like a barbed hook, a fish hook. We can't slip off. We may say we forgive. We may conceptually forgive. But it is the vocation of the heart not to forget. Many of us will forgive but not forget. Or we will forgive the person but not the deed. All of those are ways of evading the reproduction of the awesome completeness of God's forgiveness for you. So here's the deal. All of us have a debt that we cannot pay. Bible says it this way in Romans 3.10. There is no one righteous, not even one. The word righteous there simply means doing all things rightly at all times. Jesus is called the righteous one. Why? Because he always did the right thing. All right? We, not so much. And the word that we use for that, the Bible uses for that, is sin. And what is the price of sin? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. Because we cannot pay the debt. So what is what is the response that, that we are going to have when the king calls us to account for our debt? And I want you to know, that's why the cross is over here, this big cross. And I appreciate Steve and, ah, um, um, uh, uh, just forgot uh, his name. Um, the other guy, Rickard, what's your first name? Steve and Steve. Um, Steve Wordenbaum, Steve Rickard. And they built this cross around uh, Easter time. And this, this here is important. Because we're going to have to come to the cross and the only posture we can have is to fall on our knees and to accept the grace that God offers us there. That's it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. And this was an expensive gift. It cost him the life of his son. The focal point of grace is the cross. And that's where my debt and your debt was paid in full you see forgiveness is part and parcel of the message in the life of Christ especially as you see them in the gospels in Matthew 5 7 Jesus says, blessed are the merciful why for they will be shown mercy Jesus made the matter of forgiveness a central tenet in the Lord's prayer that we all know forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us there you don't get to choose Make no mistake about it. To forgive as we have been forgiven is hard. It's hard work, but it's what the Lord commands, and there are no exceptions. I want to talk about three kinds of forgiveness for a few minutes, and before I share the first one, I want you to know if you're like a theologically astute and you like to cross your T's and dot your I's when it comes to doctrine and spiritual truth, this one will be a little bit hard to process, but give it a second, if you will. There are three types of forgiveness. You might have all three or a combination or one that you need to deal with. But the first one is this. Some of us here might need to forgive God. You go, what do you mean? You might need to forgive God. Why? Imagine, imagine that you're sitting in this chair like I was um, and God's behind you and he's up on top and over your head is God's hand, and he doesn't allow anything to come into your life that doesn't go, go through his hands first, okay? We could call that maybe God's will for your life, all right? You got it? Add to that this verse, okay? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It's hard to wrap your arms around God allowed and that he has plans to give you hope in the future when life happens and doesn't go the direction you think it should, especially when it involves heartache, loss, pain. You know why it's hard? Because we can't rectify that. God loves us. God has a plan for me. What's this? What's this? If God loved me, why didn't he prevent it? If God loved me, why, did, why didn't he step in and save the day? Why did he allow, allow that, that, the relationship to go sour? The opportunity to slip by. For the, the, the test to reveal I have cancer. Why didn't he stop my loved one from dying? Those are hard. That's a hard reality. God didn't rescue me. A lot of people know that. Why? We want the why. God, why didn't you rescue me? And what we can do, we can develop what one friend of mine called a floating bitterness towards God. And we step back. And we say, you've heard people say that. If that's that kind of God, and he didn't do what I thought he should do, I I can't serve that God. Dave Miles, uh, who did an interim a uh, couple year years or so for us, he said a message on this, this podium. He said, a lot of people that turn their back and walk away from God do so because God disappointed them and God let them down. Sometimes we need to forgive God. And in that, that means we also need to ask for forgiveness from God because we know the scripture says that you know, we need to trust him and have faith even when we don't understand and we need to believe that all things do work together, even though we can't connect the dots. Sometimes we need to forgive God. Secondly, sometimes we need to extend forgiveness to others. We get that, that's hard. Ephesians says, Be kind to one another, tender hearted. And here's this line forgiving one another as Christ, God, forgave you. That means that coach who cut you. That includes that former employee, okay, Uh, employer who fired you on the basis of false information. That means your abusive ex who took the money and the kids and does everything they can to hurt you. That means that friend who deserted you and that other friend who left their dagger in your back. That means that family member, okay, who lied about you. That's hard. Those are hard. Harder still is when somebody hurts the people you love. That's a hard one to forgive. We'll take it, but that one can be really difficult, especially if it involves our kids or our grandkids or our spouse. I got this. I want to throw this in. Forgiveness at its core means to choose to see your offender with a different set of eyes. When missionaries took the message of God to the Eskimos, the the missionaries struggled to find a word in the native language for forgiveness. And they finally landed on this cumbersome 24 letter word. And I'm going to try to say it. And what that means is this learning to not be able to think about it anymore. you ever give too much time and thought to that person and what they did to you? Do you know how much money is spent? Because people who forgive turn bitter and bitterness is unhealthy to the body physically. And it ruins your spirit and your attitude. You forgive, you forgive freely. Why? Because God (laughs) forgave you freely. And then finally, this is the hardest one. We need to forgive, you ready for this? Ourselves. That's hard. It's hard when some of the worst wounds that we have were self-inflicted because we chose poorly or did the wrong thing or said the wrong thing. And it costs us and it hurts us. And you know what we do? We remind ourselves, I'm not a good person. I'm a failure. I can't fix this. There's no hope for me. And then we get to get the stick out and we beat ourselves up over and over and over again. Because we can't forgive ourselves. I have a friend I want to come up and share with me for a few minutes here. Her name is Ashley. Some of you have met Ashley or heard her story before. And she's become a, a good friend of ours. And uh, so, for her to be willing to come up and share a little bit of her story, I'm appreciative for that. How are you doing, Ashley? It's you right? can take that off. Okay.
4: And
3: one of the things I want to do, actually, I just to know she's nervous. I'm nervous when I speak. I told her, and you guys know this, the two top fears people have is fear of public speaking and fear of dying. People would rather die than speak in public. That's how that works. All right, and uh, I didn't want this to be, uh, I wanted this to be just really raw. So, as we talked about, I said, now nah, we're just gonna, here's a couple ideas, but I want it to be you. And so, I wanna back up just a little bit about 15, 16 months ago, and you're at a bridge. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
5: I was about a year into a relapse with methamphetamine, and everything that could have went wrong went wrong. I lost my house. I didn't have custody of my kids at the time. I had no safe place to go. I had isolated myself so much that I couldn't even see the people that were there to try to support me. And I was done. I felt there was no other option. I felt, I felt that death was the only way to get out of the pain. And that's, and that's where I sat. That's how I felt.
3: Okay. So it's really great that she's here. But something changed. Something happened. What happened after that?
5: I sat there and, you know, thought and just, I gave up. I gave up on life and as crazy as it may sound, it was like a breeze came by and all of that heaviness went away for five seconds. And it was so significant to me. It felt so real. I had no idea what it was. I mean, I drove so fast to my grandmother's house, whom I never speak to and never visit, but she is a very faithful woman. And I told her how I was feeling. And I'm like, what is going on? And, and she just sat there with me. And she probably thought I was a little crazy. But she sat with me and just listened to me. And I cried a lot. And I just felt like there was hope. There was two options now. There was to choose death or to choose life. And I wanted to live. I wanted my kids back. I I wanted to do something. I just didn't know how.
3: You end up at?
5: Teen Challenge. Thank God. (laughs) I remember, I was in an outpatient treatment, failing miserably, I wasn't sober at all, but I remember when I asked her, or told her I needed to go somewhere else, I said, I do not wanna go to Teen Challenge. (laughs) (laughs) And thank God that is where I went. Um, I I made it into those doors, I was a hot mess, I don't think I'd slept for for days, and I remember walking in and all of those happy women, and it was very overwhelming. (laughs) Um, but sobering up there is that place, the Holy Spirit is so present in that space and it is such an amazing place to find sobriety and cause you see there's miracles everywhere. There's like little flecks of God in every place there. And I know he's everywhere, but for me, it was a lot to experience there. And it was just the hope grew that there was more
3: so you end up giving your life to Christ, mm-hmm. okay, and um, tell the backstory of some of the pain you're dealing with, if you would.
5: Um, what, so my father um, committed suicide in 2014. Um, he also took the life of my nine-year-old sister, which is what led me to my very big relapse. Um, And it was just a struggle. I had no idea how to cope with that. You know, it's still something that I struggle with today, but I was angry at God. I was that person. I didn't understand how he could allow such a devastating thing to happen.
3: So we talked about forgiveness. There's been several things that you had to forgive. Yes. Let's share a couple of those.
5: Um, Well, getting out of treatment, um, climbing off of that very happy treatment balloon, I had to face that I still didn't have custody of my kids. I had no place to necessarily go that was my own. Uh, I had destroyed my life. And it came, I mean, full front when I stepped out of those treatment doors and I was in a pile of shame. So I definitely had to forgive myself to start moving forward and that was, it was a struggle. I mean, it's a struggle today. It's something that I think only God has been able to help me with because I've my journey with him and learning how much I am loved by him how could I you know hate myself so much if I'm that important to to him and that's helped me forgive myself um, and forgiving my dad um, people that have hurt me abusive relationships I mean it was a world of mess but if God can pour that much grace on me, how could I not share that with everybody else? And it doesn't mean, for me, it didn't mean I excused their behavior. It, that doesn't mean it was okay, but it wasn't my sin to carry. Their their sin wasn't mine, and God tells me to forgive and keep going.
3: One of the things, if you're around, um, Ashley for any time at all, you're going to hear there's this deep peace, this... Uh, this passion for God, this, uh, this life that has been absolutely trans- transformed and it's, and it's a delight. And I love what she said, it's, it's a God thing. And, and the, the, some of this weight that she's had to let go, it's, it's been like taking layers off an onion, the different levels of, of forgiveness. Um, and she's still in process as we all are. But I want to thank her for sharing with us a little bit of her story today. Can you just give her a kiss? Thank you. Good. In closing, I just want to add one more weird thing to this. Um, another pointed um, thought. And it's an author who wrote these words. Jesus's standard of forgiveness is radical, breathtaking and seemingly impossible. I'm not so sure that I'm up for the challenge, but at least I can try. Let's face it. It is hard, if not impossible to forgive, especially when it comes to your enemies. And that is why we are to pray. A miracle is required for this to happen, but God is good at miracles. But here's the twist. Who who might see me as the enemy? To this question, she says, I usually am quick to answer me. Who could possibly see me, a hardworking, generally well-meaning me as the enemy? But folks, sometimes we are the one who needs to ask for forgiveness. And that's a key component as well. So the bar on forgiveness has been removed because there is none. And Jesus has made it clear that we are to forgive as God has forgiven us. And the focal point of that is the cross. And the question I got to ask you now is, how are you doing when it comes to forgiveness? Let's pray. Father, this is kind of open-ended. There's so many things I wanted to do in this service, but because of social distancing and COVID, we can't. i so bad. wanted to be able to have people write the things they're struggling with and the people that need to forgive and to put it on the cross because that's where it's got to go. But we can only do that in our mind and more importantly, in our heart. Father, you wrapped your arms around us and extended us forgiveness before we even sought it. You pursued us, and you've set us free. You've canceled the debt and embraced us. And you ask, you command that we do that for others as well. God, help us to be faithful to what you have said. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Just going to tell you again, thanks for being here tonight. And what uh, we'd ask you to do is the ushers are going to dismiss you by row so we can keep social distancing, drive home safe, and forgive.
4: I'm listening. whisper changes every-